Welcome to CCC's podcast series. I'm Christopher Keneally for Velocity of Content. It's Friday, March 10th, 2023. Today, as we do each week, we check in with Publishers Weekly on news from the world of books and publishing. Andrew Albanese, PW Senior Writer, joins me today from New York City. Welcome back to the program, Andrew. Hey there, Chris. The Bologna Children's Book Fair ran throughout the week, Andrew, and PW reports there was strong attendance and high spirits for what is a special anniversary. Yes, I've been really following all this coverage quite closely. Uh, The 60th Bologna Children's Book Fair, it kicked off and ran this week, and I could not be more jealous of my friends and colleagues who were covering the show, and I presume have been eating very, very, very well. But all indications are that this year's fair has really been a huge and quite happy event. Uh, By the numbers, attendance is up and uh, exhibitors are up. More than 1,450 exhibitors were on hand, which is actually more than in the pre-pandemic year of 2019 uh, when there were 1,442 exhibitors. And in addition, we should note the fair is famous for its children's focused programming, but also taking place this year was the Bologna Licensing Trade Fair and Bologna Book Plus, which is an extension of the Bologna Book Fair to the general trade publishing uh, environment. So that might account for some of the uptick in attendance. Now, to be clear, Bologna had been back in person already, right? They returned in 2022 with an in-person event, as did most other major book fairs. But as we started to see with the 2022 Frankfurt Book Fair, COVID anxiety really has begun to diminish. And there really does feel like there's this desire to sort of get back to business in person. The desire to pick up and be together again has really gained a lot of steam. As my colleagues report, publishers appear to be even more delighted than ever to be back in Bologna this year. The the halls were filled with enthusiastic reunions, they report. Uh, There was a lot more hugging and a little less elbow bumping, we're told. And while book sales are in a bit of a retreat from the the massive sales spike we saw during COVID, during the, the teeth of the COVID pandemic, Sales are still fairly robust. Certainly, they're still well above pre-COVID levels. And, you know, the combination of, you know, books and being together in Italy in spring, it's, well, you can read the coverage on the PW site, but it sounds like this this show was, it was quite a huge success. Uh, as reported in Publishers Weekly, the McAvoy Group president, Jack Jensen, summed up the fair nicely, uh, noting that the attendance was vibrant and that no one was moaning about books not selling, that people had smiles on their faces and were having fun. Which, after some very, very hard years dealing with the pandemic, well, that's really good to hear. Well, from some good news, Andrew, to, well, maybe bad news, good news, depending on your circumstances. This week, Hachette Book Group and HarperCollins began offering voluntary severance packages to employees with long-term service. Yeah, so this is something we've talked about on the show quite a bit, this this sort of head-snapping speed with which the industry has gone from record sales and profits to layoffs and now voluntary buyouts. Um, Almost all of this can be tied to the pandemic, of course. And I think it's difficult to fathom for many people, you know, but it was always going to be the case, I think, that the hardest days of the pandemic were really going to come in this post-pandemic phase, right? I mean, it was three years ago, just this next week, that we found ourselves in this great unknown with this unprecedented global shutdown with our hospitals filling up and thousands of people dying every day. And we actually pulled together and got through that pretty well. We learned how to work remotely. We got some money from the government. And yeah, it was really hard in many ways, but we got through it. 
Now, while the positive side is that we're able to have these in-person conferences again and that book sales are up, the negative is that we have to reckon with the aftermath, and that's the inflation and the supply chain disruptions and this, you know, return to, well, you know, more normal, subdued, perhaps consumer spending habits. And this is hitting the publishing sector fairly hard. You know, for HarperCollins, remember, this is part of a previously announced plan to trim its workforce by 5%. And part of that process is to offer these voluntary severance packages, these sort of sweet deals for people with experience at the company to leave a little early with a payout versus, you know, versus risking, I guess, you know, just getting the axe with a minimum severance. You know, it really has been a tough year for HarperCollins, which in addition to their recently settled strike, they've seen slowing sales and rising costs, hurting profits, all of these things that are putting pressure on all publishing companies. And the same is true for Hachette, which is offering uh, severance packages to its employees. I believe I read somewhere that it's for employees that have more than 15 years of service. Uh, and a message to their employees, Hachette CEO Michael Peach said these voluntary resignation packages come in response to negative trends in publishing, trends we're seeing across all houses. And of course, what usually comes after the first round of voluntary payoffs is the involuntary layoffs. Uh, we're hoping that's not going to be the case this year. But, you know, for sure, while things start to edge back towards normalcy, uh, there's clearly going to be some more pain on tap. You know, earlier this year, we talked about Kristen McLean's predictions from MPD Book Group. And one of the things that Kristen predicted was that we were likely to have to see some tough decisions made by publishers in the early part of this year, but the sales would likely stabilize over the course of the year. So let's hope those stabilizations happen sooner rather than later. And PW reports that publishers closed the month of February with sales only slightly off from 2022. Yeah, so the first nine weeks or so reported, the U.S. book market is definitely facing some mild headwinds, as expected. But yeah, with sales only down about 2% uh, from the previous year. And I think the good news we can draw from this is that adult fiction continues to sell well. And look, sales levels are still, by historical standards, pretty strong. Uh, in a recent report, MPD officials noted that the headwinds the publishers are facing are actually consistent with trends across the economy. Publishing is not special. Everybody's getting hit here. Uh, and we're all facing these higher costs of living, which really is sort of, you know, pinching discretionary spending. But there's this one quote from, MP from MPD officials that really caught my eye in a report this week. And that is that it's seeming more and more like 2023 is going to be marked by, quote, lower highs and higher lows. In other words, steadier, which is exactly what one might expect from, you know, life going back to normal for real this time. Uh, post-pandemic. And I just think that's an excellent insight from MPD, um, to which I would only add that it remains to be seen just how much of the pandemic era sales growth publishers are going to get back. Again, let's hope that sales stabilize sooner rather than later and at a nice new level, uh, which I think most signs suggest is going to happen sometime over 2023. You've often covered the rise of book bans in public libraries and schools, Andrew, as well as legislative proposals in various states aimed at restricting the freedom to read. This week, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis countered with his own claim that talk about book bans is a hoax because, he says, it reveals that some are attempting to use our schools for indoctrination. A memoir from Governor DeSantis, The Courage to be Free, currently sits at number one on the New York Times nonfiction bestseller list. 
And yes, this despite a rather nasty review of the book from the New York Times. Uh, figure that. Go figure that. Like Governor DeSantis, there he is on top of the New York Times bestseller list. And also this week, standing at a press conference in front of a placard that called the book banning surge that's hitting governments across the nation, states across the nation, a hoax. You know, I'll cover this and a number of other developments this week from the book banning front in my weekly, uh, the Weekend Libraries column, which is part of PW's weekly library newsletter. You can subscribe for free. No need to be a librarian. But, you know, there are a few takeaways that just really jump out for me from Governor DeSantis's press conference this week. And the first is that he really, it sure looks like he's running for president, right? And I think that really should, this press conference in front of a placard that said book banning is a hoax, that really should drive home a point that freedom to read advocates have been making very loudly and very clearly for going on two years now. And that's that this current surge of book banning is different, that it's political in nature. Now, look, we have a long history of book banning in this country, but in the past, it was always individual parents and occasionally some of these legitimate concerned parents groups that were rising up and protesting or trying to get books removed on a one, one-on-one basis. What we're seeing now is a well-funded political movement using books and libraries and education to stoke a culture war, which uh, the right believes that it can use to win elections. And Florida, under DeSantis, is no doubt one of the most active battlegrounds. And his, you know, Governor DeSantis's chosen political weapon is to be, quote, anti-woke, right? Florida's where woke goes to die. And, and here's the other thing, too. Because this is a political operation, advocates – Keep stressing to me that this requires a political response, and it's not something that the publishing and freedom to read advocacy community has had a lot of experience doing on this level. And so, you know, so far we've seen opposition from groups like Penn and the American Library Association, uh, as well as from librarians and the library community, education communities. We've also seen the formation of these real grassroots parents groups rising up and they've been effective where they've been able to get in and do some good, some work here. But I think that the DeSantis press conference this week, again, standing in front of a placard that said book banning is a hoax, that that really throws down a marker, right? I think freedom to read advocates uh, need to look at that. And what they've been telling me, and this is for publishers as corporations as well, is that more needs to be done. And I, I understand that this is not a comfortable position for publishers and librarians and teachers and parents to be in, to have to take on a rough and tumble political fight like this. But that's really, unfortunately, where this all needs to go. And in the coming weeks, I'm actually working on a story now. I'm going to be reporting more on exactly what is going on in that realm. How are publishers preparing to respond to this surge in book bans? But here's what I can say for now. A consensus is definitely formed that publishers need to do more, that they need to get in the battle at a higher level. Uh, and again, that press conference from Ron DeSantis this week, uh, again, behind a sign that said book banning is a hoax, that to me is a direct challenge to freedom to read advocates and to publishers. As one advocate told me, the outraged editorial just isn't going to get the job done this time. This is a political battle that requires a political response. I think that was on display this week. Uh, and here's a little bit of good news. Where the response has been well organized, we've seen these bills in various states be defeated, most recently in Idaho and in Arkansas, and this week also in Utah. 
Also this week, Andrew, PW opened registration for the 2023 U.S. Book Show. This year is the third edition for the Authors Showcase, and for the first time, it will include live programming as well as virtual. Yeah, so big news. Registration for the 2023 U.S. Book Show is open, as you say. Uh, It's going to be held as a hybrid event. Uh, There's actually going to be an in-person component. Uh, It's going to run from May 22nd to the 25th uh, with the live event taking place at the New York University Kimmel Center. And there's going to be live streaming for a virtual audience of publishing professionals, librarians, booksellers. Uh, You can read more about the U.S. Book Show on the PW site. Uh, Among the highlights announced so far, Meg Medina, the National Ambassador for Young People's Literature and uh, a Newbery medalist whose middle grade books dive into Cuban-American and Latino culture, will be giving the morning keynote on Children's Book Day. And of course, there will be the Libraries Are Essential program, which I'll again be hosting this year, which will include a slate of discussion panels for librarians. Uh, Again, that's going to be live streamed this year. Also on Tuesday, there will be uh, educational programming designed for agents, editors, and publishing professionals that will be presented by the Association of American Literary Agents. And also this year, there's going to be an opening day session on Monday, the 22nd, that's titled AAPI Communities in Conversation. It's going to feature uh, authors and creators and librarians that will center around Asian American and Pacific Islander voices, books, cultures, and experiences. And it's a collaboration between the University of South Carolina's Augusta Baker Endowed Chair, uh, the Penguin Random House Library Marketing Team, and us at Publishers Weekly. Anyway, registration is now open. I think it's going to be another great show. Uh, You can register at the U.S. Book Show website. Just Google it. It should pop right up. And I hope you all will. We're looking forward to another great event this year. Andrew Albanese, PW Senior Writer, thanks for joining me on the program with your reporting and editorial analysis. My pleasure, as always. Coming up on Velocity of Content, the gender gap on Wikipedia has just narrowed thanks to volunteers who marked International Women's Day this year with an edit-a-thon, creating and editing dozens of biographies for prominent women in the social and behavioral sciences. Cherise Kino is a vice president with the U.S. College Division of Sage Publishing, which organized the edit-a-thon. Women are critical to social and behavioral science research and instruction, from their pioneering work of new methodologies to the application of their work outside of academia on policy and practice. In fact, today, women fill more than 61% of social science-related occupations. And one of my colleagues actually was inspired to organize the event after hearing the startling statistics about women on Wikipedia from someone like Dr. Jessica Wade, who was interviewed on this very podcast and has dedicated so much time to adding entries about women on Wikipedia. Mind the gender gap on Wikipedia, next on Velocity of Content. That's all for now. Our producer is Jeremy Brisky of Burst Marketing. You can subscribe to this program wherever you go for podcasts, and please do follow us on Twitter and on Facebook. You can also find Velocity of Content on YouTube as part of the CCC channel. I'm Christopher Keneally. Thanks for listening.